calling all married couples. Running a successful business takes a lot of effort and can steal precious time away from your spouse. How do you protect your marriage from the stress of business? Get Tandem, the Married Entrepreneur's Guide for Greater Work-Life Balance. Go to thetandembook.com and pick up your copy today. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard, the podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Lydia Lee is a work reinvention coach and solopreneur strategist at Screw the Cubicle. Since 2013, Lydia has helped hundreds of people transition out of the golden corporate handcuffs, develop successful self-employment strategies, and reinvent the way they live and work. This episode is all about building your brand, so let's jump right in. Hey, Lydia, welcome to the Boost Podcast. Good morning from Bali. So good to see you. Wow. Don't make us jealous. <laughs> I won't tell you about the sunshine happening this morning. You'll start to see it seep through the window. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Now, for folks who are hearing your name for the first time, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm the founder of Screw the Cubicle, which I think usually the name kind of says it all. Yes. <laughs> um, I've been a founder for about 10 years. It's been a great business uh, in the last decade that I've been running sort of remotely and location independently. Uh, it's changed quite a bit, I think, since I started in the beginning of time as a career coach. Uh, and now I specialize uh, in helping corporate professionals, mainly mid-career uh, corporate professionals, uh, repurpose their skills and their expertise, uh, reinvent their work, and start a location-independent business. Uh, that's designed from their genius zone, their personality, uh, and their value systems. Wow. I love it. So much there. And especially what lands for me is the fact that there's so much, you know, between the great resignation and just folks, unfortunately, being transitioned out of work. I'm, I'm sure you are a very busy bee these days. <laughs> yes. I mean, the great thing about, you know, where the future of work is going, right? It's a lot more normalized, I think, these days that working from home doesn't mean you're unproductive, doesn't mean that you'll get less output. If anything, I think happier people yes. <laughs> that don't have to be in a commute for two hours a day, you know, have a bit of a richer balance of life and work, which is what we all seek, right, uh, is actually making people want to do good work so that they can maintain, right, that balance that they so seek in, you know, in, in their lives. So that's been a very exciting time uh, for remote work, for location independency, uh, where people are a lot more open-minded and expanded in ideas of what they can do, mm -hmm. right, what they can offer that's still extremely valuable in the online space. Excellent. Thank you for that. Now, one of the things that I know is that you talk about the importance of identifying the quote unquote sweet spot when looking mm -hmm. for meaningful work. How do you find um, creative and meaningful work that's right for how, how does one go about doing that? It's a journey, a bit of a journey, isn't it? To kind of look back at our story mm -hmm. of our careers, right? It's so easy to sort of look at job titles. That's sort of what we're trained to do, right? On our LinkedIn, our resumes. Uh, but what's that story? What's the ties that bind some of these roles together that sometimes might seem very different? You know, if you looked at my resume, it looked like it was a resume for about five different people uh, because I had multi-passionate things that I liked working on. 
But if I really looked into what I was truly doing to contribute value and make an impact in all those different roles, Mm -hmm. there was a common thread there about Mm -hmm. what I was interested and passionate about. So the process that I take with my clients is, first of all, the first, it sort of looks like a Venn diagram of three ingredients that are necessary for meaningful work, which is the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Um, First part is about really understanding the skills that they want to take forth to their next chapter of body of work. Now, there's lots of things we used to do before, especially if we've been in careers for 15, 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. um, that we may go, that's something to retire. <laughs> I know how to do that, but it's no longer the thing I want to do mm-hmm. based on what I know about myself, right? And and it's important to, I think, think about where what we want to do with our work. That is not just a skill set we offer to get an exchange of money, but what's the impact we want to make with that skill set, right? To me, I always tell my clients, the skills that you have are just kind of like tools on a tool belt. You can sometimes use the hammer, sometimes it's the screwdriver, right? They're all encompassing of who you are, but what are we using these tools to repair, to improve, to fix, to transform, right? That really matters and then a new story, of this body of work that could be more meaningful. So that inventory of taking stock in a way of what you know how to do uh, and not to stop at just your professional resume, to also really look at what I call the sort of school of hard knocks life skills, Mm -hmm. you know, that could be interesting to combine with some professional skills, right? That you've learned how to achieve something as a woman in the world, a mother in the world, uh, someone that's, you know, I have clients, for example, that raised a autistic child, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not something she's paid to do, but she's certainly from 15 years certified to do that in such a way Mm -hmm. because of that real raw experience. And how does she combine that with even the corporate skill set that she has to offer something interesting and unique in the marketplace? Um, The second quadrant to that Venn diagram is your deep interests. Uh, Things that you're, you have, you have, you know, passion is kind of a tricky word, I think, for people, because passion is the thing we think we have to kind of die with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's that we have to die there, you know, with our with our passion. But I like the idea of curiosity and deep interest, because it's something that you're interested in, that you're reading about, that you're consuming, that you're talking about. It might be a problem to be mm-hmm. solved mm-hmm. in the world, right? Uh, that's not skill set related, but more about I wish there was, you know, this outcome happening for my community, for my, you know, people that 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 look and, and, and have experiences like me. I want to see more of those people doing better in the world, mm-hmm. right? What are those, you know, how do we combine our sets of skills to solve a valuable problem that is in a, in a, in a cause that we care about as well, right? I think that really helps to be proud of your work yeah. where it's less of just an exchange of money. Mm-hmm. You know, you're waking up knowing that you're a little pebble in the ocean of a ripple effect of a bigger ocean, right? That you're contributing to that cause, right? And that is also leads to the third quadrant of impact. How do you want to transform people? It's never that black and white of um, this is the thing I do to solve this problem. And therefore that's it, right? There's sort of when you solve a problem for a specific person with a specific problem, right? They're now able to do what, right? What other things are more expansive for them? Mm. You know, what other things are bigger for them? Like, you know, one of my uh, impact and transformation, I I work with a lot of people, uh, women of color, immigrants uh, that want to have an opportunity, you know, and want to be able to feel like they they belong somewhere, even in the online space, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. their journey and story to get to success is very different from someone that might be more privileged or, you know, so my my journey of finding my own impact is also about my own story of being an immigrant child, right? And trying to find my footing, you know, 
coming from poverty, coming from, you know, not not the best of choices when I first got started in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that those are very different ingredients, if you will, for how to build a business, right? But I feel great about specifically focusing on people of color, right? And doing that for people so they have more choices and freedom in the world and be able to have that for their families, a bit of a legacy, right? For their families as well. Yeah. One of the things that you said that I really appreciate that I think so often folks will marginalize are those sort of non-traditional skills. There's this, um, I don't know why we're wired to like, oh, but I've just been a housewife for the last um, teen years or, I, oh, I just raised a family, you know, I raised five children and, and it's like, mm, that sounds like project management to me. <laughs> like there's a, And so it's just a matter of helping people to then, you know, really attach sort of the more traditional uh, linking it to what the marketplace mm-hmm. may deem as, oh, okay. Yeah. I do see project management that, but that, yeah, that always like a little, a little tear falls from my eye when I'm like, mm-hmm. when I hear people sort of minimize Um, because I, I just feel like there's so there's work in the house and out of the house and all work is honorable. So it's like, okay, we've got to name it and apply it and help make the connection. Right. And interpreting, telling the story around that, that process, you know, we we're always very good at an interview, for example, to talk about the skills, the credentials, the paperwork, (laughs) right. What makes us look good. Mm -hmm. Right. But what does it, what makes us be good? at the thing we're doing, right? So when even using the example of project management, there's different types of ways to be a great project manager. Yeah. You know, some people are about minimalism, you know, the way that they're so effective in just pinpointing what is essential to move forward with. So you want to go to that gal or that guy because he doesn't waste any time, you right. know? They know how to pinpoint the biggest thing and eliminate the rest because of a value system they live by, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for someone else, it might be they're better at relationships. They're good at picking the team. You know, they're good at spotting the best talent that are going to sort of be cohesive together in a project. And that's what makes the project so successful because of the relationship genius zone that they have, right? So there's so many ways to really see deeper into just the title of a job. So a huge part of my job is even helping them articulate that story or find those gems that are less that black and white way of talking about what they're good at. Yeah, yeah. Now, and I know you're a big advocate for so uh, for solopreneurship, mm-hmm. and so I'd be curious to know what you know what you've learned, what you've come away with, some of your maybe more memorable lessons that you've learned in building your business over the last ten years. Well, my lessons came from certainly a bit of a breakdown first for me to learn the lessons of what was a right business for me. And I think when I first started Screw the Cubicle, you know, it was very tempting for me to look at what everyone else was doing out there. Mm-hmm. You know, what yeah. the, the best coaches and the, you know, the funnels they tell you to do and all the really nice packaged up, you know, sort of business model that is the trajectory of a coach, right? Mm-hmm. You write a book, then you have a workshop, then you have retreats, and then you have a that. Uh, and, and, you know, you follow that blindly sometimes, I think when you're starting out, because there's a bit of a roadmap map. And some of us need certainty, right? So we want to follow a roadmap. Uh, but what I really discovered uh, at about 2015, 2016, uh, sort of halfway through my 10-year mark, um, is that when I did, I was in a very successful revenue generating year. I, I did about sort of five to seven products a year. I had a big team <laughs> that was helping me. Um, and I was supposed to feel more easeful in my business, right? Like mm-hmm. when you reach that 
It's like I climbed the mountain, but the view wasn't what I was expecting. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but I did all the things, right? Um, and what I what I really realized was that where I what the missing gap was for me was questioning, taking that necessary pause to ask myself, is this the way I want to operate in my business? You know, what is enough revenue? Mm-hmm. What do I want? How do I want my business to give back to me mm-hmm. and my life? That the only metric of my success cannot be the dollars in my bank account, mm-hmm. right? There's got to be other satisfaction, fulfillment, right? Um, that I need to experience that I was not experiencing. So obviously I went through quite a bit of a burnout at that t- moment in time, which forced me to take a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. which is my second sabbatical because I had a corporate burnout as well. Then I had a business burnout, <laughs> but that sabbatical for three months, taking my foot off the pedal and doing more in my business really helped me to discover, you know, what was the model that was right for me. And, you know, before we jumped on this call, we talked about, you know, my travel plans and sort of my mm-hmm. lifestyle choices, mm-hmm. which are very unconventional and very different from some of my other business colleagues, right. That want to stay in one place, want to build big empires. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and one of the things that I said to myself is, I don't think I want to build a big empire. I prefer a cozy business, Mm. you know, the way that I like to operate where I am fulfilled financially, I can still have the experiences in my life, you know, that I can afford and save for the future, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But why does it have to be a multi-million dollar business? Why does it have to be a big team Mm -hmm. either? Mm -hmm. Right. So I've embraced the value that I practice in my regular personal life, which is the practice of minimalism, mm-hmm. right? Into why was I not do? I was being a maximalist in my business, you know? So that was the identity crisis I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started to be more mindful about, you know, how do I create a model that works for my life? I don't like to manage people. I can, but I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I, I still, as a solopreneur, it doesn't always mean that you're solo and doing everything by yourself. What I strategically do is hire really smart, highly intelligent people, way better than me doing one specific area of my business. And I work with them in projects rather than have a full-time team, mm-hmm. right? So these little adjustments of how do I keep it simple? How do I have one core offer instead of seven, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? How do I focus on one pathway and do that better? instead of doing more things, mm-hmm. right? That really, I think, helped me to love my business again and love what I'm producing in mm-hmm. my business. Well, and so, okay, so that's interesting because by by focusing, I, I totally understand and agree. I love the depth. So you're focusing on depth of knowledge and I know you keep referring to genius. So this circle of genius and just really doing a thing really well and, and going deep as opposed to wide with a bunch of, How did you land on the one thing, though? Mm. Well, one of one of the things I did during my sabbatical was do a lot of conversations Mm -hmm. with current clients, past clients, people that are in my community that sort of haven't made decisions on certain things and use the power of collaboration because Mm -hmm. I used to be someone that sort of had to be the person to know it and then share, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they're like, well, people expect me to have all the answers. Right. So that's the way I operate. But what I really realized is that, you know, building a meaningful business requires community, requires knowledge from everyone to say, what do you need? How do you want to need that thing? You know, what do you need just instead of just the answers and solution, what else surrounds this experience mm-hmm. that you would love for me to build for you? Right. Mm-hmm. And the experience to me, a coaching experience or a program experience was so much more than just content. 
You know, people can go and find content by reading a book. They can get some free blogs. There's lots of YouTube videos out there that can teach you how to do X, Y, Z, right? It's um, no, no problem getting there. But what people are missing, right, is the container, for example, right, that allowed them to have accountability, to mm-hmm. allow them a safe place mm-hmm. to say certain things they're not saying to their friends and family, you know, to have a bit of an identity crisis around their 20-year career and know that there's people that are like-minded, that are going through the same thing and feeling sense of camaraderie, right, to do that, right? So really what I work was less about my IP, my, my knowledge base, because my journey to get people from A to B was pretty clear to me at the time of like, this is a core issue that mm-hmm. I suffered with when I was doing a career transition mm-hmm. that I obviously end up solving for myself and creating a, a framework, right, to help people repurpose skills and launch this sort of first um, baby, you know, product of a business. Mm-hmm. But where I was uh, needing more input in was what was the experience of the container I'm holding this space for people, what need to be included month by month, right? Um, week by week, right? How was I, co- you know, coaching people when I was doing a one-to-many model, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That was a bit different than one-on-one. Um, and so once I interviewed and got the data and saw a pattern of, of, you know, how people were explaining what they needed to get work done, how they needed to create deep focus mm-hmm. to do hard things, mm-hmm. you know, it became less about the knowledge base and a lot more about the experience that I was designing. Right. And so, and I'm still doing that every year I have, I'm always asking what's next for people to reach that next level. How do we do it together? Mm-hmm. You know, so my models for my offer is evergreen. People can join anytime. It's also lifetime access, which is a very unconventional thing to do um, for most coaching programs, but I want people to take their time. I want, I I believe in seasons of change rhythm, you know, people have babies and things that are happening that are beyond, you know, the control of what we think should be the timeline for success and timeline for launching something. So having these sorts of new value systems input it in the way I'm making decisions in my business, I think has been great, you know, and a lot of that came from my community, right, to tell me what is the those things that are included in the thing that makes this one thing very special. Gotcha. Wow. Wonderful. Good stuff. So now I know a program that you offer or a project that you work on is the 90 Day Launch Academy. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Mm. So 90-day launch started as a 90-day program, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And I ran that about two, three times a year, depending on the year. And what I realized was after, you know, people were graduating after 90 days, that's usually the time they're like, oh my God, I'm just getting started. The momentum (laughs) just started. Uh And it makes sense, right? There's science that shows that it takes 90 days to build a habit, right? It takes time to kind of get ourselves back on the horse over and over again. And that habitual practice, right, of focus and attention helps us to do things things in a more natural level later on, right? Becomes a habit, more natural tendency. So even though it's called 90 day launch, right? And that's sort of a a name that I've held onto because somehow the Google engines love it. So I I sort of went, let's just keep (laughs) calling it nine day launch, Uh but also make that caveat that, hey, you could launch in 90 days Mm -hmm. if you have more hours to spend to invest in, you know, doing this. Uh, But you can also take a year. You Mm -hmm. can also take two years. And this community and all the calls are always available to you until you don't need us anymore. And mm. then what you do is you graduate to become a community member and helping other people, mm. right, in that community as well, which is really lovely of the collaborations yeah. that are yeah. in that community. Um, so specifically what the program helps with is helping people on the stage of ideation, where mm. they have a rough idea, they have a little bit of 
um, insight on, I think these are the skills I want to bring forth. I think this is what I want to help with, but I'm not quite sure how to put this idea together that has structure, Mm -hmm. right? That allows me to feel like there's flow to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm really clear about my niche. I'm really clear about who I'm serving, what problem I'm truly solving, and how to create an offer framework, right? Which is really important to I think package up your skills, right? So I always see people charging hourly rates or, you know, here's a package of five hours, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't sell very well because people don't know what they're getting in those five hours, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so being able to have sort of outcome-based packages, mm-hmm. right? Knowing the boundaries of your work, not offering everything to the moon, you know, right. being very clear about here's where I start and this is where I stop. And maybe later I might, you know, as I get better at my craft, I might add on more steps or create a team or have, you know, sort of different phases of mm-hmm. learning with me. Mm-hmm. But for now, where can I really focus on my best work, right? Mm-hmm. And the best problem I can solve for this one stage of a phase of the problem, right? Um, and so offer framework and offer creation and design is what we cover in 9 Day Launch. And then one of the missing parts that everyone always skips, which is testing that damn thing, mm-hmm. you know, not crossing my fingers right. and hoping people will come like the field of dreams, you mm-hmm. know, Kevin Costner style of like, if I build it, they will come. Maybe not. Right. <laughs> no one knows your specialty. Yeah. Right. So, and we have to also test out, it's kind of like an internship, like things we used to do when we're in college and university, mm-hmm. test the waters of, yeah. do I, re- you know, do I have fun doing this process? Mm-hmm. Is there an improvement of the steps? How do I listen again to other humans experiencing this program to give me feedback on what can be better? How can I improve the experience of the delivery mm-hmm. of this offer? So the beta testing phase is what I cover as well to help them um, get some feedback before they launch, improve the offer before they launch, and a bonus thing, which is getting testimonials and real proof in the pudding that it's not your first rodeo, you mm-hmm. know, when you first go out there yeah. and launch and charge the full rates, yeah. right? So that's an important step that we cover in the program. And then Really, the last step is about getting your assets and your home. I always look at it as an invitation Mm -hmm. to people to your living room. How Mm -hmm. do you want to invite people to sit with you and learn more about what you do? And that's when we start to work on how do we want to create those invitations? How do we want to create visibility that is not being in every social media channel and every marketing tactic, but what is really in your personality type? How do you want to influence? How do you communicate? How do you want to, you know, connect Mm -hmm. with people and build relationships so that we can pick the right market? marketing channels that best suit, you know, your way of connecting and your superpowers as well. Wow. Awesome. So Lydia, this has been great. If someone is listening in and they're interested in connecting with you or learning more about your offerings, what's the best way to reach out? Well, screwthecubicle.com is my online home where you can find uh, lots of free trainings. I even have my YouTube channel links on there that you can learn slowly with me, right, as you get to know me. Uh, One of the most valuable tools I think people can start with if one of their questions is, what business should I start (laughs) based Mm -hmm. on my genius zone, based on my, you know, um, natural way of creating value? Mm -hmm. I do have a free quiz that is just a nine question quiz going to take you less than a minute or two minutes to fill out. Mm -hmm. uh, And that will help you to, to pick out or choose uh, a direction of a service-based business. There are five profile types that I have identified through the last decade of working with service-based business professionals. Uh, and if you fall in that category, it's going to teach you, the results page will teach you what, what are your superpowers to lead with, what mm-hmm. kind of offers are more in alignment with that kind of superpower, and how do you show up with those superpowers in that offer, 
right? That's going to be unique and specific to you. So that can help clarify a direction of focus for people that might be on the fence about what kind of business I should be starting. Wow. Awesome. Thank you for that information. Uh, And this has been awesome chatting with you and definitely thank you for the way that you are serving entrepreneurs and the business community. So thanks for everything you do. Thank you so much. And I hope the next conversation we get, you're in the beach somewhere with me. <laughs> hey, can I tempt from, you? Can from I tempt your you? lips to God's ears. Absolutely. I'm there. <laughs> right. Calling all married couples. Running a successful business takes a lot of effort and can steal precious time away from your spouse. So how do you protect your marriage from the stress of business? Get tandem. The Married Entrepreneur's Guide for Greater Work-Life Balance. It is for you. It's for me, actually. Uh, Go to thetandembook.com and pick up your copy today. Well, that concludes this episode of The Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost-related, you can visit our website, at www.kellytleonard.com. The Boost Podcast serves an energetic community of business leaders, entrepreneurs, and individuals who are growth-minded. If you, your business, or organization would like to share your service, product, or expertise with the Boost Podcast community, contact Kelly Leonard. Email kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Again, that's kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com.